the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We have uh, some fascinating guests today in a few moments. I'll tell you about that. But what you need to know today, what you need to know today is the biggest pro-life fight in America right now is going on in Wisconsin, Wisconsin. There's a Supreme Court race, and we'll talk about the stakes in that race. And in a moment, we'll also talk, when we come back from the break, we'll talk with uh, Dr. Joseph Ladapo, the Florida Surgeon General. Now, I had to pre-record this interview with him because he's a busy guy. He's all over the place. He's got a new book out. He's got a new book out, and he's a very interesting man. He was a professor at uh, and a researcher at the uh uh, University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA, and um, he uh, went to work now in Florida as the Surgeon General, and uh, really interesting guy, and uh, has an incredible background, and Harvard educated, and all the rest of it, He every single credential you could want, of course, attacked all the time, all the time, uh, by all the people who think they know better than him. His book is called Transcend Fear, a Blueprint for Mindful Leadership in Public Health, and uh it's uh it's excellent i have a copy and i read that copy and uh we will uh, spend some time talking about uh that with him dr ladapo uh, of florida uh that book is of course i mentioned a skyhorse publishing skyhorse publishing has that book so we'll also catch up with our friend todd benzman he's got an update on what's going on at the border so all that all right first i'm going to come back to this story i'm going to come back to this story in a few um in a few uh, uh, days uh, to cover more of what is happening with this. But I just want to tell you about it so you're aware. Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Supreme Court is split four to three, four conservatives, three liberals. One of the conservative, Justice Roggensack, Roggensack is retiring. And so that's four to three. It goes down to three to three. Whoever wins this race is going to be the ones in charge in terms of conservative and liberal. So this is happening in Wisconsin on April 4th in just a few weeks. And there is on the books in Wisconsin an 1849 ban on abortion, kind of similar to what Michigan had on their books from the 1930s. And there are two candidates Two candidates, Janet Protasiewicz, who is a circuit judge in Milwaukee, and Dan Kelly, who is a former Supreme Court justice who lost his seat in a race. Those two are the candidates that are running, and they basically have said, one has said, I'm a conservative. The other has said, I'm a liberal. This uh, uh, um, Judge uh, Protasiewicz, Protasiewicz, I think that's how you say it, Protasiewicz, has said, you know, she's liberal on everything. Now, remember, they had to run in a primary. The primary was a few weeks ago. They had to run in the primary, and they had to get them. So they had to win the primary, so they had to go ahead and make their positions clear to the liberal base and to the conservative base. And so that race is over, and now we're on to the general election. 
And, uh, the, it's, it, people are saying it's the most important race in the country right now, especially because there's not much else out there. And so, uh, that's the one to watch. We're going to check that out. We're going to get some more information. I'll get a guest in, uh, from out there and we'll find out more about it. But, uh, state judge races are a big deal and getting more and more important. So we'll, uh, we'll find out more about that and, uh, get an update. And uh, again, uh, Wisconsin center of the universe on this issue. And they will be, Wisconsin will be in the 2024 election. Whoever's winning New- Wisconsin probably wins the presidency. That's the way it looks. If you look at the, uh, if you look at the, um, uh, um, uh, the, the breakdown of the country in electoral college. All right, we'll take a break. We come back, Dr. Ladapo of Florida, and then Todd Benzman, and a whole lot more. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. A few weeks ago, I got a copy of a book. Uh, my friends over at Skyhorse Publishing, I like them very much, Tony Lyons and his team, uh, and they sent me this book by Dr. Joseph Ladapo, who is the he's uh, now uh, a very prominent nationally. People know him nationally because he's been commentating and out there, but he's the Surgeon General of Florida, and he and that's where he first uh, maybe sort of got some attention. But his book is called Transcend Fear, A Blueprint for Mindful Leadership in Public Health. Perfectly positioned to to write about this, having been at the at the forefront of the of the pandemic. He also has a background as a as a medical doctor and a PhD in uh, public policy and health. So, uh, Doctor Ladapo, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? Hey, thanks. For, thank you for having me on. I'm very happy to be joining you. So now I'm, you don't know this. I'll tell you, I'm married to a doctor, an internal medicine doctor. And so I'm, I'm familiar with uh, the frustrations of doctors dealing with the medical system and insurance companies, all these kinds of things. But I joke with her, normal patients, and, and I've learned this, have a, it's not a fear. They have a nervousness around doctors. I think they call it the white coat syndrome or something like that. But, and so fear is something that a doctor's got to deal with, whether it's a little old lady in front of him or a uh, five year old kid. And you have to manage that. Right. And so my first question is, it, it seems like there's a lot of distrust that's grown, especially uh, from uh, citizens or patients of their doctors. It's almost like the hardest relationship that's shifted in the last maybe 30 or 40 years. Oh, I, I agree with you. And the data also agree with you. Uh, unfortunately, both uh, doctors and federal organizations like the CDC have, have lost a lot of trust over the last few years. And you're right. It was always a, a complicated relationship when people come to care uh, they come because they don't personally have the expertise to address their questions. So there's already an asymmetry of, of power. But what we saw over the pandemic with doctors, unfortunately, many doctors advocating policies that made zero sense, like keeping kids home from school, even though the risks from that were, were very low. And from from any exposure to the virus were extremely low. And, and in fact, keeping them home was was a much riskier strategy uh, for them. And of course, the the constant 
support of masks for little kids. I mean, that's just nonsensical. Those things erode trust. And, and that's part of what we're saying. So uh, again, we're talking with a uh, Dr. Joseph Ladapo, and he is the uh, he's this uh, the uh, Florida uh, Surgeon General, and his book is called Transcend Fear by Skyhorse Publishing. In, in the book, I like this uh, very beginning, early in the in, you're talking about your career, but you get to the end of the chapter, and you have uh, you have specific bullet points. They're bolded, four of them on on points uh, about how patients should act. So you're the doctor. Everybody's already got your credentials, but you're talking about how your wife had gone through some health issues. And the four are speak up. Don't be afraid to ask for a specialist. Don't feel bad about asking to speak with a patient advocate. And and then the last one is share your health challenges with others and don't stop searching for health. My, my question, that sounds like a surgeon general, because you're saying, hey, there's a million ways you got to worry about your health, right? And and they, this is giving you a, the patience, a sort of a proactive uh, approach, which I, I liked a lot in the book, by the way. And again, the book is Transcend Fear. Um, but it is the, the world right now, healthcare, it feels like it's dominated by only two things. And, and I'd say this because my wife's expertise is geriatric. The first one is is COVID and vaccines. And, you know, and what does it mean when we're at least misled, if not lied to, by some of the, the, the COVID vaccine people? And then the second one to me is is seniors and health, right? There's no, especially you're in Florida, is it, dominating our lives. The future of our spending as well as our care is how wonderful it is to have people live so long, but they have constant health care needs. Those two things are dominating and and then inside the rest of it, it feels to me like there's an epidemic of loneliness and and disconnection among normal people. A pretty hard time to be in the public health field feels like, is it? Oh, I, I, you're absolutely right, and it, it, it is fun that your your wife is your partner. Uh, your wife is a is a doctor. It's interesting because I, I would say that. The, the first two are just things are never going to be perfect. You're always going to encounter those challenges. Right. But the, the third one, I think is actually, is actually the most pernicious, the disconnection. Yeah. And as much as we love social media, you know, I, I, you know, I fortunately did not grow up in a period where it was dominant. And now it really is dominant. And it creates this alternative, this opportunity for alternative reality, if you will. Yeah, but it, it's really unhealthy. I mean, how are you going to be, you know, connected to the things that matter in life, nature, other people, uh, physical contact, and sunrises, sunsets, ocean, wind? If you're spending a lot of your time looking at likes and looking at videos, and, I, and clearly there's some. Addictive may be too strong of a word, but there is some compelling force with that. We see people whose lives are totally dominated by that, but it, it's not, it, it's, it's not healthy and it creates disconnection. And I'll add one other thing, which is that when you have disconnection, unfortunately, it makes people very susceptible to some of the, the fear strategies that we saw over the last few years. And it makes people very susceptible to agreeing and going along with very bad policies. So getting back to connection, connection with yourself, connection with your heart, connection with your soul, connection with other people, that's, that is one of the reasons I wrote the book. 
Uh, we're talking again with uh, Dr. Joseph Ladapo. He's the Surgeon General of Florida, and his book is Bigger Transcends His Job. It's called Transcend Fear, A Blueprint for Mindful Leadership in Public Health. Uh, pausing for one second on that, uh, well, I, I didn't mean to stick with this, but I want to. It's very difficult, though, to have a, a you know, my wife used to tell me um, those ads that are on TV, when some, then her patients will come in and say, I saw it on TV. I want this drug, right? That was, that, <laughs> that was persuasive sometimes, especially if you're watching, say, Fox News and you're a senior and you see over and over again some pharma medicine, you know, that they go in and ask for it. Well, that's, that's old fashioned advertising and, and n- none of it's terrible. Uh, I mean, I'm not complaining about it. It's kind of, you could discuss how much uh, uh, medicine should be influenced by it, but it is what it is. What's different is the power of social media and big tech and regular media to deliver a message. I mean, we just went through what what will I think if we have enough time in our next you know fifty years to study it, incredible um, campaigns of persuasion around public health that turned out to be again at least not exactly right if not downright lies i mean you go from masks you go to vaccines you go to lockdowns you you can go to specific drugs or whether and some of them by the way are drugs we wish would you know would have worked you know the chloroquine uh derivatives i i did a stint in indonesia when i was in my 20s we took uh you know for for malaria a quinine product a quinine product or however you say that all the time it didn't hurt us but all these things and and yet the media and the and the, the 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 tech sort of frankly brainwashed a lot of us to think something, and it worked. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with you. Those are those were uh, those have been uh, major problems, and I, I agree with you. And it's okay to say. I mean, it was right. deceptive. Right. One really good way to just uh, just because I agree to it. It's hard to believe. How could it be that? The FDA and the CDC and the media are working in this coordinated way. It just doesn't seem like it's possible. But, but that, that's actually what happened. And I, one example I really like to really ground oneself in fact is this. Mm-hmm. Remember how long they, the CDC and the media were quiet about natural immunity? They denied the existence of natural immunity for (laughs) over a year. I mean, I think it was probably close to a year and a half. They denied the existence of natural immunity. That is profound. How could you? And and by the way, the data were in within months. And, And I mean that in the sense that when people were getting infected and you look at who's getting infected, did they have a prior history of infection? Uh, in the first year, the answer was almost always no. And that date, those data were available, but denied. And of course, denied uh, because the intention was to essentially get people to uh, take these mRNA COVID-19 vaccines, no matter what, no matter what the facts are. So that's what happened. And I mean, it, it's unfortunate. It's cost them a lot of credibility. And historically, I, I think it's, it's going to look, it's going to look even worse, actually, than what we're seeing right now. When, again, we're talking with Dr. Uh, Joseph Ladapo, uh, the Florida Surgeon General, who's got a book, Transfer, Trans, Transcend Fear, a Blueprint for Mindful Leadership in Public Health, uh, Skyhorse Publishing. Uh, towards the end of the book, it's actually Gavin DeBecker, who I, I noticed uh, he, he wrote a sort of afterword, um, and, and he himself is an author, but author, but he quoted you, and, and he quoted you that I had missed a quote during the text. It says that you wrote this, um, and he's quoting you, highlighting it. Measures that severely restrict a person's freedom should only be used in emergent situations, and all 
always with the greatest degree of caution. Uh, I'll skip forward a little bit. The last uh, line of that little paragraph, you say, and it is inhumane to keep someone restrained for any longer than is absolutely necessary. The same model should be applied to the implementation of the severest of the severest public health measures. My my point, which I agree with you and the why the book, I think, is important and valuable and what you're doing is you're going to have crises, right? We're going to have, we have hurricanes sometimes. We're going to have another crisis. The question is, what's the principles that limit the, 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 uh, the, the power of government and the, and the decisions we make? Even the decisions we all make are limited. And the, and one of the key things is this notion of personal freedom slash autonomy somehow. And that you've got to have that as a final bulwark. I, I guess the question is, What's really holding that in place? Used to be, you know, say Hippocratic Oath, but maybe just the practice of medicine. They, the, the doctors knew you wouldn't overstep and people trusted them. Well, patients don't trust them the same way. Doctors don't necessarily trust the government the same way or academia the same way. Feels like that bulwark to hold the line on overstepping limitations on personal freedom. It's like when I tell people, you can sue me civilly, that's a big problem, and money is in some way freedom. But if you're criminally charging me and taking away my liberty, we got a different standard in America, the bulwark to hold us. Feels like that bulwark, the wall holding us, is really floppy if it's existing at all. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great point. And it, it is true. It, it really comes down to science and judgment. And you can have all the scientific data you want, but that won't tell you, that's not going to teach you how to make wise decisions. And the wisdom is what keeps us in check. What the, the forefathers of this country, I mean, clearly they were just gifted by God with copious I and mean, tremendous amounts of wisdom their ability to to make judgments about things that that no data will inform and and that's that that's really been a problem the 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 ability to exercise wise judgment was just clearly thrown out the window uh, during the pandemic and the quote you shared was me expressing from what i believe is uh, is a way to to navigate public health in a way that that demonstrates wisdom. I mean, we we would be so much better off right now if we could do the whole thing again. And you know, unfortunately, there still would be bad things that happened. But right now, we're we're really we're really torn apart, and it's because people, leaders, federal leaders, CDC, FDA, federal government, just totally failed to exercise wise judgment. And 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 you're 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 correct. It, it it's really it is that difference between uh, between policies that um, you know that are more limiting in the area of civil judgment and policies that that are appropriate for more more severe things. But we were using severe policies for things that, <laughs> right. that should have been civil cases. Right, right. You know, uh, 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 Doctor Ladapo, um, the. Uh, 
one of the reasons is 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 really not uh, really nice and the service that you wrote this book. You could have, you, you know, you've written papers and academic stuff, and you had an academic career before you were in this, and you still do actually. I mean, you still are also in academia. Um, I think is it right at the University of Florida? Uh, is that right? Or that's correct. That, yeah. yeah. So that's correct. So, yeah. So, yeah. So you have a you have an academic career, so you didn't step away from that. But you know, you you've written a lot of papers. This is a book that's more aimed at sort of we the people, and 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 I will say one of the things that has to happen, I think in order to have more wise decisions is we need more uh, wise leaders that rise up. It's not just going to be the president. It's just not, not just going to be the governor. It's going to be the surgeon general or, or the, uh, or, you know, or your pastor or who, who are making wise, humble decisions that have a, and the, the, the book transcend fear, I think lays out what you see as a way to look, go forward on these hard issues. I do want to, I, I want to finish by asking you what happens in a world. And I don't know why anyone would know this, or care, but you happen to be an African American, right? So I don't know why it would matter, but there you have it. You went to Harvard and all these top places. And yet, as you're leaving UCLA, according to the book, to come take this job, which is a plum job. I mean, Florida is a top five city, a state, and you're getting a big time job and you're dealing with uh, colleagues who are not questioning your academic credentials or work. They're questioning your judgment, but they're not just disagreeing. They're dismissing you. And how does it work when, I mean, you know, the dean of a law school like UCLA, I mean, a med school like UCLA, that's supposed to be like a lion of of wisdom that you don't get there without having kind of been a good doctor and been a heck of a talent. And yet at that level in these key places, you can't go there, it looks like, to get wise uh, I, I'm not blame, I'm not asking you to blame any one of them. I'm just saying that these systems and, and universities are fraught with this uh, judgmentalism that's not, I'm sorry, I made that mistake. It's, why are you bringing that up? You're, you're wrong to have a different theory. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's true. And I'm, that's just a whole nother ball. <laughs> it's another book. What's happening <laughs> and, yeah. with universities right now and the indoctrination. It's not a joke. I mean, it, it is definitely happening at UCLA. I had to complete a, a diversity and e- equity and inclusion statement in order to obtain tenure. That was part of my promotion package. I think it was even part of my hiring package. And those policies have just gotten worse and worse. I mean, those policies are they're like a runaway train in terms of the ideology and where it's trying to take everyone to. So that, and that's, I mean, that is another whole ball <laughs> another, of yarn. Another book. Another, another book. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thank you for being out there and trying to, and, and, and trying to uh, be seen as well as doing uh, wise decisions. I think it's important for people to uh, to grow and, and, and find these new uh, people they can look up, look up to. Dr. Joseph Ladapo, uh, again, the book is Transcend Fear, a Blueprint for Mindful Leadership in Public Health, uh, forward by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., as well as I mentioned the afterward. Uh, thanks very much. Skyhorse Publishing, by the way. Appreciate it very much, Doc, and uh, good luck with everything. We'll hope to have you on again. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Uh, we will, uh, I'll make sure to put up, I'll put up the link to the book and also uh, to uh, Dr. Ladapo's uh, biography and others so you can get familiar. I think that's a very good sign. Someone like him is willing to be out and leading and communicating, and writing a book and going on radio. So we will take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with Todd Benzman. It's been like three days or four days, so I don't feel like I don't know what's going on in his <laughs> life. And we have to check in with him. And his his book, I hope, is selling massively. I don't know if it's selling massively, but I know he's uh, he is out there and there's um, uh, been great coverage and great excerpts. The book is called Overrun. Uh, welcome back, Todd. How are you? Great to be here. Thank you. Appreciate it. So first, how has the reception of the book been just in general? You've, this is your second book, uh, uh, in the last couple of years, but how's the reception been? Well, it seems to be, uh, selling very well. I mean, it's in the top of Amazon, uh, sales. Uh, so I, I mean, if that's any indication, right. Uh, and it's, yeah, I'm getting a lot of, uh, press and, uh, I hope the book is, uh, spreading around there for the information that it offers. Well, it seems to be getting good traction, at least amongst the different kinds of uh, conservatives and, and center-right voters who I'm seeing. So uh, that's good. All right. So over in the Federalist, uh, federalist.com, um, we ha- you've got a piece up, uh, the, uh, the title of which is, uh, What are the odds how the differences between Trump and Biden's border rhetoric took American um, immigration from calm to crisis? That's a, that's a, that, that's important to me. I mean, you know, part of it is how people have talked about it. But walk us through what you're meaning here and what this piece says. Right. Well, uh, there is great dispute about what causes mass migrations like this on purpose. I think uh, that you know, especially the liberal side of the aisle, the Democratic side of the aisle will give you things like, oh, root causes and hurricanes and complexity. But when you speak to the immigrants, uh, especially at length, as I have over years, uh, you come away with a, a much more simple explanation for this. And and it's, the, it's, it's what I call a calculus. It's an odds calculus that they take into consideration like you and I or, you know, anybody would contemplating a big family move. And that is, if I have to spend $10,000 for smuggling, will my odds uh, be high that I'm going to get in and, and get a return on that investment? It's really just that simple. So policies from the U.S. are what they watch to gauge their odds. They listen very closely to every word uttered by an American leader or a prospective American leader about what they're going to do at the border. Are they going to open the spigot or are they going to close the spigot? If they're going to open it, they're spending the money. If the leaders are going to close it, they're staying home. Hmm. And it's really just that simple. And I think that when Americans talk about policy uh, for the border, that it should always be, considered in the way that the immigrants consider it you know will will it will i get in and stay in will i get kicked back and lose all my money and i think that we have completely lost sight of that even though it seems so obvious it's not obvious i had i felt like i had to state the obvious but i i i did point out that even in the book that you know I know this is really obvious to everybody, but it's it never get it's a lesson that never gets absorbed and and that's what this is all about. It's this calculus 
Sorry, I've got dogs. No, no, that's okay. So we're talking with Todd Benzman, uh, and of course, he's the National Security Fellow over at the Center for Immigration Studies at CIS.org. His book is called is named Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. Bombardier Books is a publisher. Um, it, it, uh, Todd, but it, and one of the things you're saying is they if you're if if the world is a tune to what happens in America and you could like, we could be sort of glib and say, Oh, you know, the world watches the Oscars, right? You know, the girl, the, the world watches, uh, you know, the American stock market, right? The, the world watches American, uh, politics, right? The presidency. Y- your point is when the world's watching America, it's leading in a lot of different ways, cultural, otherwise. One way is this, this, uh, bully pulpit that sends a message that adjusts, uh, people's risk taking and therefore decision making on whether to come to our border and and again what the book overrun talks about is within you know hours and actually it happened sort of after the election before the transfer of power one of the things i learned in the book overrun um is there was a signal started to be sent even before the the uh the actual inauguration in january of 2021 but then the bat signal was clear that you know it was a it was a very clear signal uh, the rhetoric and everything else now's the time and we're seeing that right yeah that's right i take the reader through three different administrations three different scenarios starting with the trump administration and you know i first realized that this was that this was a, a an actual phenomenon when i was working for the texas department of public safety's intelligence division and i used to go down to the to the detention centers regularly to interview uh detainees for for certain kinds of intel and one day in early i want to say like february or march of uh 2017 i go down to the detention centers they're always packed to the gills and it was empty and then another one was empty and i'm asking the ice intelligence officers why why are they empty? And they said, well, because nobody wants to come over the border right now because Trump said all through the campaign that he was going to kick everybody out. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> and wow. No, nobody had ever seen. It. And they stayed empty like that for months just out of the uh, talk and rhetoric from the Trump administration. But this happened even earlier during the Obama administration when there was a crisis of mass uh, a mass migration crisis involving unaccompanied minors in 2014. And uh, first they were, you know, getting messaging that they were going to get in and they were getting in. Uh, and then Obama started deporting all the kids by air to Central American countries. And the second he started doing that, they stopped coming. It ended the crisis, completely ended it because they weren't getting in. Uh, and then you fast forward to Biden all of the uh, presidential candidates, including him and Kamala, were saying, we're letting everybody in. Everybody gets in. We're humane. Uh, we're going to end all these policies that we're making uh, your money go to waste. Uh, we're going to make sure that your money, they didn't say it this way, but 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 this is how it was heard, uh, that you're going to, your money is going to get a big return on investment. And they followed through. And it was the thing that caused the the spigot to open and that's it's really it really goes like this and you can you can follow rhetoric and tie it very tightly to 
apprehension numbers at the border. They say unaccompanied minors are all allowed in. The very next month, there's a massive increase in apprehensions of unaccompanied minors. Right. Uh, w- when you say we're, we're deporting all of you and you actually do it, they stop coming. Uh, we're talking with Todd Bensman again, and I encourage you to, to, to get his book. It's, it's entitled Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. If it sounds like it's a description of the problem, it kind of is, except that the insights in there are chapter by chapter, and many of them have been excerpted. You can sort of cheat if you want. Go do a search for uh, his excerpts in the last maybe three or four weeks. You'll get about three or four of the chapters. But you'll learn more about how the dynamic works uh, at the border and uh, Todd, uh, remind uh, my listeners and me about how the numbers are being fudged uh, in terms of reporting that starting in, I think, this month, maybe it's maybe it's March or the reporting on February uh, that we're going to see what looks like better numbers because they started to report differently. I think that people will miss that. I think that's part of the intention of the reason they're doing it. And, and you know, they'll be saying, oh, look at that. The numbers are down to the level of the, uh, you know, Trump administration. Well, that's because they're not reporting a bunch of them. R- remind right. us of that uh, of that uh, trick that's about to happen to us. Right. Well, you know, not your listeners, because I've been explaining to your listeners for about a month and a half, two months, that the numbers were going to decline and why they were going to be decline. Yeah. When I say numbers, I'm talking about illegal alien apprehensions between ports of entry, all those hundreds of thousands that have been pouring through between. Uh, what the administration did is they came up with a new program where you can apply in advance south of the border for humanitarian parole. And then they're granting uh, permission to hundreds of thousands of people to before they ever even reach the border so that they come in with permission over the border and then they'll be illegal in a year or two. And so they've been flying them in from foreign airports into American airports by the thousands and thousands, untold thousands, we don't even know. And they're bringing them, uh, hand walking them through ports of entry uh, from Tijuana to the Gulf of Mexico. And as a result of that, it's called CBP-1. It's an online app, kind of like reserving um, a restaurant or something, uh, you know, on Thanksgiving. <laughs> and right. and so, um, so the numbers, just like I told your audience, uh, have declined from, you know, 250,000 in December to like 120,000 uh, last month. And, of course, the administration is taking this big victory lap. But what they're not showing you is the numbers uh, that the, the number of by decline are actually still getting in just through these this this other uh, form. And those are being counted in a way that that they're not disclosing. We can't even tell how how many there are. But I can mm-hmm. tell you for sure with certainty that just as many people, if not more, are crossing that border uh, who would have crossed in the illegal fashion are now crossing in this other uh, quasi-legal fashion. So it's called CBP-1. Uh, that that program uh, is at risk right now because a Florida judge, a federal judge in Florida, has just uh, vacated uh, the humanitarian parole and ordered that it be ended within seven days from last Wednesday, which means tomorrow. Hmm. 
Um, and we'll see. I'm sure the administration will appeal and try to get a stay on that order. So the whole thing is worth watching in the next uh, week or, or so about how that's going to affect things. We could have another mass bonsai charge on the border if that gets vacated. All the people that were in Mexico waiting to their turn to get to get hand delivered in. We'll see what happens with that. Worth watching. Okay. All right. Uh, Todd Bensman, as always, uh, worth listening to. Todd Bensman, the Senior National Security Fellow for the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. They do a lot of great work there, including Todd's work on his writing there. His book is Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. Bombardier books out everywhere now, and you'll see it everywhere. And I'll put up on social media a link to this Federalist.com piece of his from a day or so ago. Uh, Thanks, Todd, as always, and uh, keep in touch. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Sorry for the dog. <laughs> That's okay. Everybody loves dogs. Uh, Todd Benzman, everybody. He's uh, if he's not, uh, I think he might be home with his dog, but he's on the road half the time, and he's a he's a safe guy. I guess he worked in public safety and in law enforcement. He pulls over a lot of times when he's calling me from the road, so he's not driving while uh, talking. But he's always on his way somewhere or other to uh, get the truth out or go down to the border and talk to folks. So we will take a break, everybody. And we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Elon Musk was invited to this past January's World Economic Forum, but he publicly declared that he would not be attending because its agenda is boring. He also commented on how the billionaire elite falsely think there are too many people on our planet and that the, quote, environmental sustainability movement has gone too far, end quote. Debunking an argument that the population control agenda is just a conspiracy theory, Musk retorted that the elite indeed want and seek less human population. He pointed out that this is neither a right nor a left issue. People are viewed by many billionaires as a threat to their wealth and hope for power, while Musk and Donald Trump are special in welcoming all that the public has to offer. The billionaires who convene annually for the World Economic Forum in Davos are a paranoid group who should be kept as far away from political influence as possible. Meanwhile, news came during the second day of this conference that China's population is actually shrinking, contrary to the fear-mongering about population growth. This is the first time since its famine more than 60 years ago that China is losing population, which a liberal New York Times headline screams is a, quote, demographic crisis, end quote. China's vice premier, Liu He, made no mention of its own demographic crisis during his speech at Davos. Instead, he urged the world to increase cooperation and depart from the Cold War approach, which means accepting that China has replaced the United States as the world's only hegemonic superpower. Chinese leaders are unable to reverse the harm they inflicted on themselves by their one-child policy that for decades forced couples to limit their families. Chinese couples today do not want to have enough children to sustain its population. This Chinese population crisis should be a lesson for all of us in what happens when you try to tinker with God's design for the family. China removed children from the family, and now they're all suffering. Now the American left has made mothers and fathers optional by accepting gay marriage. Can we expect our social experiments to turn out any better than China's? The World Economic Forum will have no answers for these and other difficult questions. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The traditional family is the building block of our communities and country. 
That's why it's imperative to support strong marriages, respect fathers, and champion stay-at-home moms. At phyllisschlafly.com, we oppose the liberal attempt to redefine the family. To join us, visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Just a couple of minutes left today. Let me just finish with a call to action, a call to action. Uh, the call to action goes to and goes uh, uh, towards the U.S. House of Representatives, the Republican majority, uh, both congressmen, uh, excuse me, but both Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, as well as uh, I, I must say it's time to ask and make sure that the other members of that uh, body, that they go ahead and release all of the the video, all of the video that's available uh, to the uh, that should be available. All of it. Forty four thousand hours. We need to put some pressure. Congressman Steele, S-T-E-I-L, is the head of one of the committees. We need that money. We need that stuff released. We need all the video. All the hours released. That, that has to happen. And so no more excuses, no more excuses. Uh, and we need to get it done. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a little concerned that some of the energy and steam that was sort of building up in the, uh, in the effort to get the, to the bottom of things has sort of dissipated. And I want to make sure that people are hearing that we have got to get it all out. In other words, Whatever, don't let people and 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 you, you you know we the people you're listening. If you're listening to this, we got to get pressure, whether it's social media, phone calls, letters, whatever, and get the message to uh the to your to your members of Congress that we want this uh, released. All of it, all of it needs to be available. Not some of it, not part of it, not a little bit of it. All of it needs to be available to the people to crowd watch it to crowd watch it so we can get to the bottom of exactly what happened. You will not get to the bottom of what happened on January 6th by three or four really good Tucker segments. I am not complaining. They were great, but we've got to get to the bottom of everything. And the only way to do that is to get all the videotape out, all the access to all the hours, post it, put it in such a way that people can get to it. Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, Congressman Brian Steele, it's time to release all the video, all the video of January 6th and do it right away. All right. That's the uh, that's the last thing you need to know today. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin. Thank you very much to the great Noah Dingley, our producer, Ryan Hyde, associate producer, and you for listening. Don't forget, visit Patriot, uh, Patriot, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the daily email, and we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.